welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. Hey everybody and welcome. So this week, got a really awesome chat for you. So my guest is Paul Tunner and he's the founder and CEO of PharmaForum and they use content to connect the pharmaceutical industry and other innovators to advance healthcare. They're a group of consultants and creatives and publishers uh, and they, as I say, bring healthcare together. So they've got a couple of different arms to what they do. They've got a publishing arm, so publishing articles on all sorts of things from pharma to healthcare and all the rest of it. They've also got a content arm where they actually develop content for pharma companies. So if you've been following any of the stuff that I've kind of been recently up to with my new venture, you'll understand that Paul and I actually had quite a lot to talk about. We had a great chat. We're motivated by similar things. We're obviously up to similar things and motivated by the same things and with everything I'll do for Forbes and the podcast. We had a great chat about communication and healthcare. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, obviously, strange times we're still in. I'm not sure when this will go out in terms of recording. We were obviously still in the midst of the coronavirus stuff. Are you all well and staying safe? Yeah, just about. I mean, obviously, we started chatting about this, I think, back at the turn of the year, and the world seems like a very different place now as it was then. But um, no, doing well, like a lot of people, trying to balance homeschooling and keeping kids entertained with work. Yeah. I think we're all adapting to this new way of life, aren't we? It is. You're right. It is. It it does feel like a new way of life. It does feel like things aren't ever going to be the same again after this. I think certainly, you know, it's, it's come at such a I don't know such a, a pivotal time. I suppose in my life, you know, with entrepreneurship and all these different bits of what I'm doing, and it's you know having to innovate, having to change what I'm doing, having to you know think of new ideas. So yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting interesting time for innovation, isn't it? It is, it is. And I, you know, I don't mean to trivialise at all because obviously coronavirus is a very serious thing and there's sadly lots of people losing their lives and lots of people losing their jobs and, and their livelihoods at risk. But I think if we try and take some positives from this, you know, from my experience, there's a lot of people reconnecting with their families, travelling less. And as you say, it drives innovation, it drives entrepreneurship and new solutions. Necessity is the mother of invention, as they say. Absolutely. It certainly feels like that. Um Cool. So, Paul, um, obviously, I mean, the way that we we normally start these podcasts is we uh, we we go into your background and and get you to tell your story. So, I guess obviously we've had a chat, so I know how you uh, got to where you are with Pharma Forum. But I guess for the benefit of our listeners, why don't you tell us your story? Sure. So, I'll give you a bit of background, and I guess the summary is I'm a I guess I'm a scientist who's turned into a bit of a creative and a communicator. So, I've covered a lot of different ground. So. You know, my degree and PhD are both in biochemistry. Um, I spent, therefore, eight years at Oxford University, four years for an MA, four years doing my PhD. Um, Great fun being a student for eight years, don't get me wrong. (laughs) Uh, But I had to, at some point, go and earn some money. And I I think I realised, you know, my PhD was very much focused on um, very early um, novel anti-cancer therapies, preclinical work, which was great. But you're so disconnected from the patient, it just felt like a very small piece of a very big puzzle. Yeah. So I didn't stay in academia. I, I came out into the industry and I joined Data Monitor, um, which back in the day, you probably remember, was writing market research reports and doing a bit of consulting work with the pharma industry. Okay. Um, and I joined the oncology team there. And when I did a bit of consulting, I loved that. I loved engaging with the clients. And my career then developed in that way. So I, I joined IMS, now IQVIA, within their marketing consultancy team. And then around 2009, um, I started Pharma Forum, and I wanted to really have a go at doing my own business. Um, and my passion for that was, you know, part of, partially a, an entrepreneurial desire, 
but also at that particular time social media was just blossoming in the mm. 2000s and, and online communities were blossoming everybody was talking to everybody else and it was really closing the loop on the conversation within healthcare and i just felt pharma was a bit disconnected from that it was still fairly didactic you know promotional activities to doctors and so on so the raison d'etre of the pharma forum when i started it and my passion as it remains to this day was about connecting the pharma industry with all the other healthcare stakeholders it's so important whenever it happens it's really exciting and that was the sort of birth of my entrepreneurial journey that's really interesting 2009 as well um, i know starting your own ago. business in 2009 that's uh, that's an interesting interesting it, thing to have done <laughs> it was an interesting first few years and i think like a lot of people going into their own business you go in with all kinds of enthusiasm and energy and then you realize it's probably a little bit harder than you thought it would be so you know, as you say, 2009 was a tough year to start a business. Yeah. Publishing, as we were, you know, purely we were originally just a publishing company. Tough business around those times. Um, and I was very lucky. I had a, an angel investor came on board to support us through those tough early years, which I'm sure we wouldn't have survived through without. Mm. Uh, but fortunately, it came out the other side, and now, now business is booming. So... Tell us a bit about Pharma Forum as it exists today, and then I'm going to jump back and I want to talk about the the early days and growing it and starting it because there'll be a lot of people that, that are interested in building communities and building things similar, I suppose. But yeah, tell me tell me a little bit about what Pharma Forum is. So as I say, originally the intention had been to be an online publication. You know, I was inspired by other pharma industry publications. So you've got things like Pharma Times, PM Live, Fierce Pharma, et cetera. There's quite a few of those. And I was really inspired by those. But the piece I felt was missing was that connectivity. It seemed like a lot of the, the conversation and the features on those were the industry talking to itself or service companies pitching to the industry. And I really felt we needed to bring in the patient voice, digital health, all those different areas. So that's where we started. Purely online, never had any intention of going into print, although perversely now it's something we do consider from time to time <laughs> on the copy table. Um, so it emerged as, you know, as you'd expect, features, news, webcasts, all that kind of stuff, and that grew and grew. But like any sort of entrepreneurial business, it didn't exactly go in the direction I thought it would in a very positive way. Um, because we fell into being really a content agency about five, six years ago as well. Mm. And that happened because we did a project with AstraZeneca um, that we published on Pharma Forum, and they wanted to raise their profile in personalized healthcare, so precision medicine as it's often known. And we did a video roundtable discussion where I moderated it. We had um, their head of personalized healthcare. We had a world leader in in vitro diagnostics, we had an oncologist, and we had a cancer patient. We had a real mix of different perspectives. And that, to me, sort of embodied what Pharma Forum was about. Within that three-hour discussion that we filmed, so many different views, so many different perspectives, and everybody around that table learned something, irrespective of the broadcast of this. Sure. We produced 50 different bits of media from that, social media, written, visual, video, etc. So AstraZeneca loved what we did and they said, look, you kind of know what you're doing with content. Can you help us with our social media channels? Mm. And we said, okay, yeah, we can, we can help you do some fun stuff on Twitter. So we started being that content agency and we had to keep a firewall between obviously the news we were doing and the coverage and that consulting yeah. works. We return, you know, were impartial, um, but that's grown and grown and grown. So 
we then had the publication content agency and then more recently we've developed this more strategic consulting side where in some specific areas which are digital transformation digital health and patient engagement we're playing an advisory role with pharma companies on how they approach those and what they do simply because we find ourselves so well connected in that space yeah product market fit i suppose you'd call that wouldn't you um obviously you guys starting out in, in one bit and, and then moving with the market to try and to try and find your niche and, and it's you know 2009 is not a long time ago but it seems that yeah that you've moved with the times kind of as you say you know being part of that social media wave and all the rest of it i think having that community of pharma companies because as well you know if you're going to pick a, a group of people to start innovating for you <laughs> picking ones with almost an infinite amount of money is probably a good idea given that you can um you can monetize your network in a lot of ways with the people that actually do have the money um yeah and it's it's also i think it, it's an industry that is i know pharma has a lot of critiques around the pace of change but i think in my experience i'm finding more and more people that are open to change yeah um and the backstory i mean i wish i'd thought of this when i started the company and i can't claim i did but the backstory on why we evolved that way is if you look pretty much at any company now not just pharma i think all companies certainly at the corporate comms level or above product level are behaving like publishers now yeah they've got websites that look like publishing platforms they've got content all over them they're thinking about their stories and how to engage yeah and that's kind of why it makes sense for us to fall into that mode because that's what we live and breathe with our own publication i completely agree and actually there's so much more it's just the democratization of information isn't it that it is so easy for, for because you and i know this because of the 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 comms pr marketing stuff that i do with your with the channels that you own you've got complete editorial control you can say whatever it is that you like i think the days of begging other publications to to write certain things about you and then being concerned that they're not it doesn't matter as much if you own the channels yourself and you've got these huge followings and you can just put out whatever it is that you actually need and this of sure. course there's always going to be a place for getting things into um into you know proper publications and media for reputation and for reach and awareness and you know all the rest of it but as you quite rightly pointed out, you know, having control over your own content and putting it through your own channels is so important. And therefore, growing your own following, having your own, as you say, publishing platform, which could quite literally just be a blog on your website. But all these different things allow you to be able to circulate your own news, much like a normal publishing company would do, you know. It's very true, but I, I also think there's a there's a journey that we've all been on underlying there, which is a journey which has really impacted impacted the publishing industry, but impacted all of us. And it's a journey in how we communicate. So you're right, you know, there's been a democratization of content. I think we've gone through that stage where everyone's like, okay, we can all write blogs, we can all do social media, we can all get our message out there. But at the same time, that has created so much noise yeah. in the surrounding air that we're all bombarded with stuff day in and day out. Yeah. And I think we've almost come a little bit full circle in the sense of, yes, we can all write all this stuff, but it's going to have to be really, really good to yeah. cut through that noise. And if it yeah. doesn't connect with people in a particular way, they're not going to bother with it. So I think for companies, the challenge there has been, you know, when there was less noise around, they could push the message out there. And sort of use their weight to get it in front of people i think it's really hard to do that now and i think they're all thinking a lot more smartly about 
how to be interesting, quite frankly, and how to be relevant. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. And there's there's an art and a science to it, isn't there? Absolutely. As you'll well know with um, all the metrics that you're tracking and all the rest of it. But I just want to take you back to the start of Pharma Forum. You said that you, you took some angel investment and essentially started building from there. I'm interested in in how you actually turn this idea into reality for, because obviously there were, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of this in the context of that. There are certain people at the moment that will have spotted similar niches, right? They'll, they'll have spotted certain areas where there could be a community. There could be a platform similar to pharma forum that might serve this community. So as if, I guess you're speaking to them, what would you say about that? That, you know, spotting that, that community that could be there, the angle for pharma forum, raising the money and then creating something. I mean, tell me, t- tell me a bit about that journey. Sure. So I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, it started with this idea. And I, and I still remember, and I've still got this somewhere, scribbling down, you know, two sheets of A4, I think quite late at night, you know, Pharma Forum, this is what we're going to do. So it starts with an idea and it starts with that passion for doing something. But then you've got to step back and be a little bit more grown up about it. And to be honest, I don't feel I did enough of this. I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, you rush in. I think what you've got to do is then take a look and see, well, is there actually a space there? Yeah. Is there somebody else doing what you're doing? Um, And particularly where I was in in publishing, that's a busy space. And I did feel by being a bit more digitally savvy, et cetera, we could could create a niche there. And we did, but it wasn't easy. So I I think you need that. I think you've then got to be very clear and honest with yourself around what you want to achieve. Because most people go into launching a business because of their passion and their expertise in a specific area. And that's great, I think you need that. But actually, if you want to build a business, which is more than just you, you have to accept that you're gonna bring other people in, you need to think about how you bring other people in, and that actually your role will increasingly become leading the business and the strategy rather than doing the doing which is probably what you're passionate about yeah and i think that's something a lot of people struggle with and certainly for me in the early days i went in perhaps rather naively thinking well i'll build this publication i'll do a bit of consulting work on the side and i can balance all of that and that was never going to work you know to get that scale and get the audience you need to bring other people in and that's where the angel investment was incredibly useful and the angel investment by the way was was really just a chance encounter where um, a friend of mine knew this angel investor and said, why don't you have a chat? And I said, well, I don't think I need investment, but I'll go and have a chat. Um, but I did. And it kind of developed from there. Interesting. How much did you raise initially? It was a, it was a fairly modest amount, but it was, it was an interesting model in a sense of it was not a fixed amount of money. It was a more open-ended within certain reasons investment. Interesting. Um, and we did end up needing more money than anticipated which i think is something very common Mm. with entrepreneurs but as i say it got us through those early years where particularly for a business like a publishing business it is pretty hard to get cash in the door straight away yeah because the business model doesn't particularly lend itself to that does it there's not there's not a lot of quick wins before you've done all the hard work in building building the back end no and i think i think there are ways in publishing and with hindsight from what i've learned there are ways to monetize more quickly because you have to bear in mind my background was not in publishing and in that sense i was incredibly naive walking into what is a very complex business thinking that my passion for communication and science would see me through but 
you know, I learned a lot in the first few years about what a publishing business is really about. Do you think having fresh eyes on that sector was a positive or a negative? Because as you say, you know, Oxford PhD, scientist, enjoyed communicating. And then you've launched into publishing where there have been these players for a long time and, and probably an establishment and a, a, a way of doing things that is seen as the done thing. Do you think your fresh eyes would, is what allowed you to build this to what it is now? I think fresh eyes in any sector is important. I think when you work so closely to something and in a particular sector, you become quite blind to some of the things that possibly need a bit of change. Um, and actually, it's something I was reflecting on the other day. I was chatting to an individual within a pharma company who'd spent a stint working in finance, which he had no background in. And he was saying how he went in and started asking all these questions that nobody was asking mm. and actually found some massive process improvements through doing that. So I think it is I think it is a good thing. You ask some of those questions which other people more involved in that subject may see as stupid questions, but actually are really smart because everything is changing. The way we communicate is changing, technology is changing everything. The landscape is evolving so quickly that what we were doing even a year ago might not be right for what we should be doing now. Mm. It's what it's in fact to be fair, it's what we say all the time on this podcast about, you know, computer scientists, data scientists, engineers, and then throwing those people into healthcare and just letting them have a look at how the world's run in healthcare and yeah. them all just being completely horrified and just being like, Oh God, there's so much we could do to change this. Absolutely. But it, it brings me back to my passion as to why I started Pharma Forum and my passion today and our tagline of bringing healthcare together because the reality is that everybody has their own bit of expertise and often with complex problems and healthcare has its fair share of them let's be honest with complex problems no single individual individual has the answers but if you get four or five people from different backgrounds different stakeholder types together they all bring their own perspective and somewhere in the middle of all that will emerge an absolute gem I completely agree. Um, it's just the meeting of all those minds, isn't it? And all the ideas and, and creation that can come from that. And I think you and I speak the same language when it comes to that sort of stuff. Absolutely. I'm interested then in the impact that Pharma Forum has had. And we'll move on to, to health tech and, and some of the startup stuff in a second. But in terms of the growth of Pharma Forum, you know, the last, what is it, 11 years, and you've, you've had the publication, you've you're doing content and you're doing a few of the bits on, on that end. And you know, the, the mantra is about bringing all these things together. Mm. So what, in, what impact have you seen? And, and maybe you don't have to be you know, completely specific and frank. We've achieved this, this, this in terms of metrics, but sure. I guess, you know, have you brought, have you brought these things together? Is, is, is there, tan is there any sort of tangible, um, tangible wins that, that you feel have scratched that itch that you had in 2009? I like to think so. So, I mean, there's a few frames of reference for this. So, you know, first of all, it feels like in the last probably 18 months or so, everything has really kicked into gear because you think about our journey, starting with the publication, then doing the, the content work and, and consulting. Effectively, I found myself running two businesses, which is quite a challenge, as you can probably imagine. Yeah. So it's hard to keep both moving along. And I think as the consulting work took off, my attention was less focused on the publication and that suffered a little bit. And then as the consulting work became more you know well known and we gathered more clients and built the team i've been able to turn my attention back and at this point in time i think both are just going amazingly i'm, I'm incredibly lucky so the publication if you look at some of the metrics on that side 
Um, I know in 2018, we had, um, I think, one and a half million unique visitors. Last year, we were close to two million. Now we're seeing stats where not atypical to see 250,000 uniques a month. So that's growing and growing. That's a global audience, which is really exciting. And I, mm. I'm quite nerdy sometimes. I pour over Google Analytics. And, <laughs> and occasionally you'll see something like, you know, one person is viewing your site from Antarctica and you go, oh, that's a bit strange. But <laughs> so I think we've, we've got that global reach, which is really, really cool. And I know in the work that we do with our clients, you know, they appreciate the team. And this is both on the consulting and the publishing side. They appreciate the team, and the work that we do. But actually, those metrics are one side of it. What I find is is really powerful and really inspirational for me is those little stories, those one-to-one connections where it might be, and I had this recently, a rare disease patient will ping me a direct email and say, I saw this piece on Pharma Forum. I think it's fantastic. It exactly resonates with my point of view. And that, for me, is what gives me slight shivers down the spine when mm. you think, actually, this didn't exist 12 years ago. Yeah, and I've built something, you know, working with a fantastic team, I've built something here that is having these little touch points with lots of people and is influencing the way that pharma behaves, it's influencing other stakeholders, it, it is bringing that connectivity together, which is exactly what I wanted to achieve. And that's what inspires me. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and actually, there's so much that will chime with all the health tech startups, that little entrepreneurs that are listening to this. And I think it's that the the addiction to impact i think there's one thing there's one thing doing a deal and there's one thing you know getting that buzz and just thinking oh you know that that extra cash we've got coming in now we can hire people we can grow we can do this we can do that but there is definitely something to be said about the addiction to impact in driving entrepreneurs in healthcare specifically and i think that's one thing that I've definitely observed over time with the amount of people that I've seen, you know, innovating in healthcare is hard. Innovating in publishing sounds just Mm. as hard, you know, Mm. and I think without that kind of motivation, without that North star, it's, it's very difficult to kind of get up in the morning and run through 20 brick walls a day (laughs) without, without this kind of deep desire to actually change something because there's so many people that hit the first one and turn around or hit the fourth one or hit the 99th one and turn around, you know, and I think it does require a special type of motivation to, to truly innovate and solve the problem in healthcare. And I think that that often is a differentiator that, that, and once you start seeing it, as you quite rightly said, you know, it only takes one email of someone thanking you and you know i've seen it recently i actually put a linkedin post out last week about um i I just spotted somebody um that that had been made redundant in the in the covid crisis from a health Mm -hmm. tech startup and i just put a linkedin post out saying you know this person's been made redundant it sucks like just let me know if you're in a similar boat and i can say something on the podcast and try and champion you and get and you know get you a job and it's been viewed like ten thousand times which in your world isn't I a huge deal that. but it's yeah. it's one linkedin post that was viewed yeah. ten thousand times then the next one was viewed ten thousand times and the next one was viewed seven thousand times so it's like even I, you know, start to get addicted to the impact more so than doing the deals of, you know, what I mean? of like, and I, and I saw oh, wow, this post. is actually making a tangible difference to human beings. I, I saw that post and I thought it was incredibly powerful. And, and for me, it's those little touch points, that bit of humanity, but that bit of staying true to yourself. Yeah. Knowing yourself, because, you know, I challenge myself a lot in the course of building Pharma Forum. You know, am I being commercial enough? And we can all think of, of yeah. people we know of that are, big business people and have this ruthless focus on the money yeah. and making money. And I'm not going to critique that. That's fine. But I think particularly in a sector like healthcare, 
it's got to be about something more. You've got to have a passion for making a difference. And for sure, you've got to be smart commercially. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. But I don't think you should ever lose that passion for making a difference. And that's the conclusion I've come to. There are things I could probably turn my attention to where I would be um, a much richer man. I'd make a lot more money doing those. But I want to make a difference in healthcare. That's what gets me out of bed on a morning. I, I think that's extremely true. And actually, it, it really well articulates a feeling that, that I've had for some time, which is that I feel, I feel so much better on a daily basis if I communicate authentically through... Yep. Well, let's talk about content, right? Because you guys do content and, and you'll be advising pharma companies to do this. Yep. Through my personal content, I feel so much better every single day if I communicate authentically rather than that kind of sort of authentic communication, but you're trying to wheedle something out of someone or you're trying to win a deal or you're trying to present yourself in some way or you're trying to promote something that you're doing. Actually, and people will see this, you know, all the, you know, the podcast posts that I do and all the rest of it. There's some that are relatively automated in my brain. There are others that I actually genuinely care about and I want people to listen for a certain reason. And they always get liked more and watched more and viewed more and listened to more and all that sort of stuff because I think people can sense the authenticity and people can sense the right. actual reason why you're doing something because, you know, it's not, it's not as if this podcast turns over 5 million quid and I can retire on it. I don't make a penny out of this podcast, you know, yeah. but by getting the messages out to people it, it, authentically, it genuinely makes a difference to some people. And there are so many entrepreneurs that, that get in touch to just say that, or, or future entrepreneurs or, or that are now entrepreneurs because of it, because they've got an idea or they've got a hire or they've got some investment or all these different things. And that as a, as a feedback loop just keeps me going with the podcast. Cause I'm just thinking, yeah. well, similar to you, with pharma forum you know of that entire sector you're oiling the wheels of the entire sector you're actually delivering specific value to some of the pharma companies and the individuals that are that, are, that have got those rare diseases that those pharma companies build drugs for you know all that sort of stuff and, and and you're right i think i genuinely think that is is more addictive than than the money by by a long way yeah and it, and it, it does hinge on how we now communicate so there's a term people use called the trust bank, which I think is a bit of a, it's not a term I necessarily like, but the principle is that you have to invest and you have to give something before you're going to get something back. Yeah, I think that's so never true. been truer. So, you know, we all get bombarded by emails with somebody coming straight in with trying to sell <laughs> Yeah. And I just don't know that's ever worked anywhere. I'm sure it must work for some people or they wouldn't do it. But I think we're, we're bombarded with so much stuff. You have to give something first. And that's where you've got to think about, first and foremost, what is relevant to the person you're trying to engage with. Mm. And if you, can, if you can deliver that through some kind of content, while also you know, weaving in some touch points around who you are and what you're good at doing, that opens the door. And I think you've got to do that first. You've got to build that trust and open the door. And then there'll be a conversation, which is more of a business discussion. But it's also got to be, to your point, authentic. It's got to be personal. It's got to be authentic. And I sort of follow with, with great interest how um, you know, many companies now are getting, not just at the corporate level, they're getting their senior leaders out there um, and doing things like LinkedIn, blog posts, and, and whatever else it may be. And it's very interesting if you stand back and look at those because I think I can normally spot the ones where they're either written directly by those leaders, which is yeah. rare, or they are very closely involved with the team that's supporting them as opposed to the ones where they brought an agency in and said, go and write some stuff for me. I don't yeah. Know. Because it <laughs> exactly. just doesn't appear authentic. Yeah. 
I, I completely agree. And actually, I was reading something about um, you and I are in the content game, aren't we? So I was reading something about um, about LinkedIn profiles and about LinkedIn posts. And you've also got company profiles and you've got individual profiles. And it was just, I was just looking at some graphs about just how underperforming the company profiles are mm. compared to the personal profiles mm. because it seems to me that social media platforms right now are just becoming more of an extension of our personality than they are a separate entity and i think yeah. people are far more willing to engage with people and people want to hear from people and they want to hear actual things out of people's mouth they don't want to hear what the robot said yeah. or they don't want to hear what the entity said as a company and so actually just looking at the graphs of it i'll try and find the link and stick it in the description of the episode but um, it was crazy just how much more willing people were to engage with with personal profiles than they were company profiles, which to be fair, completely changed the game for what I was doing with um, my own stuff and a few other things. So like, it's, it's interesting that I think those platforms now are just becoming an extension of us rather than being yeah. separate entities. It's and I think that's, that's always been true. And this is where, even though digital has radically transformed a lot of things, there are some fundamental principles of communication which have remained the same. People engage with people. It's always been that way, yeah. it always will be. Now, that's not to say there's not value in corporate communications at that corporate brand level. There is because it builds up the brand profile and we can all think of some very powerful brands, you know, Apple, Tesla, et cetera, where they've got that clear vision, they're building that tribe around them. But that's more of a long-term play, doing that consistently over time. For immediate engagement, people engage with people. Mm. Completely agree, mate. We definitely speak the same language. I actually just saw on the on the branding thing for, for how good companies are at that sometimes, I just saw an amazing advert by Nike on my phone when I was scrolling through of a, an overweight guy taking his top off for the first time and going running in, I think, LA or something. And it was all about his you know personal battles and struggles and mental health and you know all these different things and like i had goosebumps the whole time just watching it and i was like yeah. oh nike have got me here like <laughs> they've definitely definitely won i've definitely now got an emotional connection to nike in some way <laughs> yeah and i think that's you know there, there are plenty of those good examples around i think that is hard in healthcare particularly for pharma companies because it is a heavily regulated industry it's mm. a very sensitive topic you don't want to step over the line to trivializing disease areas but equally i think what i see is exciting is more and more people coming into pharma from outside and more and more recognition from seasoned pharma um, internal folks that we can learn from other sectors and other companies and we might not be able to do exactly what they're doing but there are lessons that we can bring into the industry completely agree and so pharma forum then in terms of what you guys write about let's talk about the publishing side first sure. there'll be a lot of entrepreneurs listening some of them will have solutions for pharma pharma might be customers farmers might be in pharma farmers pharma might be uh, might be investors um what sort of companies do you write about what sort of things what sort of people what sort of stories it is all sorts it ranges from the biggest pharma companies down to the smallest one-man startups and you know, we in particular, having been on that journey myself, we always try and give space where we can to the smaller companies. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, if we're doing content that is effectively promoting a company, we've got to cover our costs and that we've got to be a commercial business. So typically yeah. those are the pieces that are sponsored pieces and we're charging for. But particularly with the smaller companies, that's where we will do stuff without any cost just to help them because there's some really interesting stuff going on that we want to communicate. 
But I think, you know, one, there's been a couple of sectors we focus more and more on. So patient engagement and patient centricity um, is one of those, which is a whole topic in itself. Um, and there's a piece I wrote on that recently, which I can I can share with you and feel free to put the link in. But the other piece is digital health. We're, we're covering more and more digital. Oh, health interesting. OK, that space, as you know, full well, is just exploding right now. And I think particularly for me, what's exciting as we see where we are right now with everything that's going on with coronavirus. So for sure, I mean, the mobilization of pharma research looking for vaccines and treatments is, is impressive. It's incredible. Yeah. But also the digital health innovation that we're seeing, it's just accelerating it out of the park to deliver solutions. I mean, I'll give you one example. So um, a company that we collaborate with very closely, um, Healthware International, um, partners with uh, Pagina Medici, which is a platform in Italy, which, is, as we know, has been massively hit by this, mm. that connects doctors and patients. And I forget the, the, the exact timings, but really very quickly they got out there a chatbot which helped diagnose and triage whether patients had coronavirus through remote consultation with the doctor. And it's been adopted over lots of regions in Italy and really help track where it is. So that's one example of thousands of things which are coming through in a massively accelerated timescale under this particular circumstance. That's really cool. And it's, it's nice to hear as well, you know, that you guys have genuinely got a focus of, you know, supporting those startups at the bottom end. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of people that say that stuff and there's a lot of people that will you know, <laughs> ring that bell for attention, you know, and just say, yeah, we champion startups. We're founders first and we're so focused on entrepreneurs. And, you know, it's nice to hear that you guys actually do it and, and clearly because you've got an awareness of what's going on. I mean, do you, do you lean towards, uh, assumedly you would lean towards more startups that are interacting with pharma in some way, right? Rather than just pure digital health stuff or, or, is, or are you willing degree, to look at it all? To some degree, but I think it's broadening out. And it, for me, this taps into the whole topic of how far into digital health do pharma companies go. And, yeah. you know, we, we're seeing this, I mean, for sure, we're called Pharma Forum, which kind of accentuates the focus on pharma. <laughs> if you look at the content we're doing, it is broader because we're seeing this convergence in healthcare where I think the lines between what is a pharma company versus medical devices versus yeah, I think you're right. digital healthcare yeah. is really starting to blur, you know, diagnostics. It's all coming together and all of those are very important parts of the solution. I think you're right. And even the kind of AI machine learning stuff, if you trace that, you know, AI machine learning, which is software as a medical device, which has to go medical device regulations, which pharma companies end up quite interested in either investing, acquiring customer, you know, et cetera. Yep. So you're right. The whole thing is kind of connected. It's like in the same way in the investor world, like all things lead to private equity at some point. It seems like all <laughs> things lead to all things lead to a pharma company at some point. <laughs> yeah, and I, in think, I think particularly in the space of digital therapeutics, digital medicines. I mean, there's all kinds of terminology flying around. Yeah. Startups focused on technology and healthcare. I think there's a real maturing of that space at the moment. And I think it's a hard time for those companies. Yeah. And there'll be quite a lot that will disappear in the next few years. But I think it's maturing in a sense of they know they need to present something that will be evaluated like a medicine. Yeah. It needs evidence. It needs to show outcomes. It's got to yeah. prove its cost benefit. Yeah. And as that comes through, I think that space is really going to come into its own. And on that then, so what sort of things do you 
um, we'll, we'll get past your editors then in terms of being published. Is it because there'll be startups that, you know, little stuff like, you know, raising money and doing this and doing that. I mean, is, is there a, is there a certain type of thing? I mean, for example, with the evidence thing you just mentioned is, you know, getting evidence, something to write about, or is it impact or is it partnerships or is it investment? What, what's your kind of things that you, that you'd it's, like to see stories on? couple of things so we wouldn't cover we've just got investment because we're obviously covering a lot of ground and a yeah. lot of our news will still cover traditional pharma things like drug launches approvals etc but i think with the digital health space it's it's really comes down to a couple of things one is impact so impact can be things like we covered a story just this week um on a company called helios which is run by a friend of mine it's a mental mm-hmm. health application yeah yeah. and they've seen you said they're at massively go up in the nhs because obviously mental health is a focus right now so it's things like that which i think are really interesting where again those startups are trying to give something back as part of their journey and the other thing is the sort of partnerships piece particularly where it's partnerships with the bigger pharma companies that is really of interest for us to monitor and track because i think both sides on that equation are kind of finding their way and maturing Cool. So I'm writing this down. So for the startups out there, impact and partnerships. <clears throat> that's what yeah. that's what Paul needs to hear to uh, to to get that past his editor. <laughs> and think about from. you know some some guidance I would give beyond what we publish is, and I've had this conversation with many a digital health startup. Think about how and why you should partner with big pharma. There's not always a case to say you should. But it, it needs to be about more than just getting investment. There's got to be that fit in terms of focus on the therapeutic areas or culture, those kind of things as well. Cool, which makes a lot of sense. And it's actually, it's a really similar way that I could, because one of the things I do is uh, is writing for Forbes as a contributor. And it's, I'm the same. I think it, I'm happy to write about investment, but it's it's got to be, there's got to be some underlying impact or there's got to be some underlining reason why the startup is great or doing what i like which is you know the health tech stuff and all the rest of it but i i agree you know being able to talk about impact and just some nice metrics or a nice patient story or something along those lines just makes it so much easier to write about from a i guess from a journalist perspective because there's a story behind it and as we've talked about the i think the thread running through this is communication of people to people right and people like to hear stories off other people it's what we did yeah. 10,000 years ago around a campfire and what we still do today yeah and that that's what healthcare systems want to hear as well with digital health is you know they see a lot of people coming in saying well we've got this team and we're all really cool and excited and we've got this funky app and their response will be well that's lovely but what's it going to do what the impact it's going to have on patients in our health system and then we can have a conversation absolutely absolutely and on the content consulting side is it mainly big pharma that you're working with there or do you venture into anything lower down it's a mix actually i mean probably up until about a couple of years ago i would say it really is more big pharma but actually as we've done more and more of that work it is yes it's big pharma um and as a global company typically it is at the global or us or european level very little of what we do is, is uk focused Um, for a variety of reasons we work with big service companies so as well as what we do through our own publishing platform we work as content agency for some of the very biggest service sector companies uh, within pharma we've done stuff for medical device companies but also we are starting to work more and more with some of the startups themselves and the digital health companies because as they grow and develop they need communications and they need content in exactly the same way 
and just to build on that last point, I mean, the, within pharma companies, I often get asked around, well, who do you tend to work with? And, it, and it's quite a mixed bag because content and communications is important in many areas. But we do a lot of stuff in obviously corporate communications and brand communications, uh, patient engagement, digital specialists, um, and then these emerging innovation groups and digital health groups. And that's always very cool because, of course, we work on both sides of that. We work with some of the digital health startups and with the groups within pharma, and sometimes we can close a loop. For me, it comes full circle of, of, you know, what gets me out of bed on the morning? What do I find exciting? You know, I started this company with the tagline of bringing healthcare together. And I think we do a lot of that through our publication, through our consulting work, through our content work. But actually, again, it's the little things. You know, I find myself probably rather like yourself at the center of this enormous network of very interesting people. And when I can sometimes behind the scenes without any money being involved, just connect one person to another person that I think is going to be a useful dialogue and it becomes that, that makes my day. I mean, that, that's where I feel I'm yeah. in a privileged position with this network and I want to try and use that to help people where I can. Lovely. And I think you and I are very similar in that respect. I think we're both both a little bit addicted to the impact. And I think it's always it's always nice when you get those emails and you get those pats on the back and, and thank yous and all the rest of it. And I think that is what, what tends to drive us and keep us going in this sector. Exactly. Exactly right. So Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed chatting about the about communications and and how to do it in this sector and, and with someone that seems to share my passion and belief for authentic um, authentic communication. So yeah, I loved it. Um, and the way that we finish these episodes is I just hand back over to you to summarize a bit about yourself, a bit about what you're up to at Pharma Forum. And then if you've got any asks of our audience, then by all means, take it away. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. So um, what am I up to? Well, yes, continuing to be pulled in lots of different directions, but all of which is exciting. <laughs> so the publication is going great guns and growing and growing this year. And particularly as we're covering a lot of coronavirus at the news, it's very topical, but it's very important that we cover that in a responsible way. So we're doing more and more of that. And actually, as, as people can't do meetings, we're seeing a real demand for digital engagement. So we're doing a lot of webinars and that kind of stuff at the moment. Equally on the pharma side, um, that same principle applies. So, you know, pharma companies are grappling with how do they maintain communications at this particular time when the big medical conferences are not happening and they need to adapt. So the kind of stuff that we're doing there is is absolutely at the forefront of people's minds and we're seeing you know, a high degree of growth. I think looking forwards, what excites me is that continued journey um, as we not only cover pharma, but cover this digital health space. Um, and rather like you, I think I've got that, that digital health bug. Um, and I'm intrigued to see where this space goes. We're doing more and more work in that space. And I think the ask of anybody listening into this is you know just just reach out and um, if there's something we can help with whether it's formally as a company through a project or you want my advice i do try and help wherever i can um, if you're reaching out just to try and sell me something probably don't expect a response because a lot of those <laughs> messages but if it's a, if it's a general question or you want to know how to get involved in pharma forum or you've got some content that you think might be interesting reach out and we'll see what we can do awesome and i'll put the contact details for Paul, probably what your LinkedIn, shall I put? 
in yeah, the description of the episodes. Yeah. yeah Perfect. Good. So I'll stick that in the description of the episode. So do feel free to ping Paul a message. So thank you so much for coming on again, Paul. And yeah, I look forward to catching up soon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, James. Hey everyone, thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.